naturally we know there's systemic bias and the system actually has to change. So investors just need to wake up and recognize that women founded startups do well and will return on your investment. So like fix the perception. Welcome to Power Up, the podcast that uncovers the unique challenges women leaders face today. Join your hosts, Nat and Kristen, as we dive into the tough topics and provide actionable insights you can apply right now. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Hello, thanks for joining us for a special episode while we're on the road in the US. Today in particular, we've been at Denver Startup Week, so we're chatting to a bunch of women in startups, founders or early employees, which has been fantastic. And so in 2023, women entrepreneurs are still facing headwinds. Absolutely. It's really funny doing this from our witch's house. <laughs> we're in this like, really dark and like, welcome to the pod studio in the witch's house. And I think yeah. the cool thing about this, even if you're not a founder, which I'm sure a lot of our audience aren't, that one of the things we talk about a lot at PowerSuit is the invisible forces facing women. And the funny thing about invisible forces is that they're very, very hard to spot unless you're experiencing them. And what that means is when we tend to talk about, as women, some of the th- challenges we face and some of the headwinds in the path of our career, it feels like whining. It can be perceived as whining because the people around us don't always spot those same things. And so we really like this this topic about founders, I think secondly, secondly to sports players, where you see in sports and in startups, these invisible forces become a lot more visible. And so they're just really great examples of some of the hidden stuff. And it makes it really easy to shine the spotlight on some of the challenges that women uniquely face. Women entrepreneurs are genuinely facing a lack of support and funding, and there is no surprise. A study by PitchBook in 2022 found that companies founded solely by women secured just 2% of total capital invested in VC-backed startups. This is in the US, but I have no doubt the global trends hold true, that women are having a really tough time securing VC, now that's venture capital, funding for their startups, which is necessary when you move into growth stage as a startup. Yeah, and I really love talking about these top line stats because part of our goal at PowerSuit is to uncover the truths underneath them. So if you think 98% of funding goes to men, it's very easy to put that down to a whole range of reasons. Some could be only men start startups, only men get into the position to scale, women are more likely to make different choices, or it could be there's some inherent biases. So we've seen a lot recently in the US of these top line stats, quite a few conversations we have where people say, oh, we've got women in leadership now. We're starting to see those top line stats changing in some areas. However, the story underneath them can often be quite fascinating. Yeah, some of the biases include perceptions of women and how women run startups. And one of them is a 2018 study shows that when men go to pitch to VC companies and to get funding, they're often asked about their vision and their growth and where they're going. And women are asked preventative questions. So things like, how are you gonna mitigate risk? And even things like, what are you gonna do with your children? And are you gonna get pregnant? So there's all these, they go straight to, how can I mitigate the risk of the women's startup? Whereas when they've got men in front of them, they're saying, 
How fast are they going to grow and how big can this thing be? And I also think the other thing is the status quo is such a powerful factor. And the other thing, I had a great conversation this week, and the other thing I heard is that men, if they are the 98% of people standing in front of VCs or if they're getting most of the money, there is a masculine way of pitching. And pitching is basically when you tell the story of your company. And so one of the cool things I heard the other day at a woman-run panel is men tend to default to talking about the potential and women tend to default to talking about what they've achieved, which makes a lot of sense, right? We are reacting to the situation and going, I need to build proof that I have achieved this stuff. However, if you're a VC or an investor, an angel investor, anyone sitting in front of two people and one of them is saying I've got global ambition and we're going to grow to a billion dollar business and the other one says we've got 30,000 customers and we've got a million dollars revenue those two things come across very differently so we're also I don't want to say victims but we are victims of the status quo being quite different from how we might approach the same thing. Absolutely. And there are a few exceptions. There have been some cases of of women who have um, absolutely, oh, well, I suppose, ended up in jail and been fraud. And I'm thinking of Elizabeth, um, what's her last favorite name? favorite woman, Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. <laughs> Oh I was goodness. waiting for you to start turning up in she black turtlenecks and jeans. I mean, <laughs> honestly, she basically, home. she basically acted like a man. Like we've seen it time and time again that men have inflated their startups in history and often are the ones, the brunt of, of fraud. And I'm thinking Sam, Sam Friedman and with crypto at the moment. There are those few cases of women, but it actually makes no sense because investing in female founders is an extremely profitable venture. Did you know that for every dollar invested in a female-run startup, we generate 78 cents in revenue, whereas male-run startups generate only 31 cents of that dollar. And then another study is... Wait, can I jump in there because I know the immediate pushback because I've heard it so many times, Mm. is that of course they do. If you're only investing 2% of VC money in women, those women are going to be the absolute cream of the crop. So they're going to skew those stats towards the positive because they have fought so much harder and they have to be so much better to get there. I would like to confront that one front on because I don't think that's true. And I think it's very easy to use that as an excuse But then we have to take you back to the top line stats of, okay, well then throw more money at women and we'll test that assumption. Well, studies both in startups and in the workforce show that we generate more sustainable profits over time because we care about different things. So Mm -hmm. while we don't often go for hockey stick growth, we go for what is the ultimate purpose and vision of this company? What does it look like in five years? How am I not only going to deliver on these growth metrics, but also have my employees are happier. I care about the environmental social governance factors. I care about my community and the impact on this earth. So we have very much a mindset to sustainable and long-term growth. And that's proven in both arenas. And I love that because I think coming from an investing background, women are risk aware. And I I challenge the hockey stick growth thing because I think we both want hockey stick growth. We look at the likes of the founder of Canva who wanted hockey stick growth. It's growth at all costs. And I think women have much more, maybe not women, but how we're socialized. I I don't believe a lot of this gender stuff. I mean, gender itself is a social construct, right? A lot of this is not innate to us, but what tends to happen is that growth at all costs thing is that attitude of we're going to hire big when times are good and then just slash our workforce without a second thought when times are bad, or we're going to have a massive detrimental impact on the environment because growth at all costs and risk aware approaches to business 
tend to not do that. So that can easily be construed as not being as ambitious. It isn't. It is about sustainability rather than boom and bust, which is why a lot of those numbers turn out in women's favor. Absolutely. And we met a angel investor the other night at one of the pitch events in Denver. And he was initially he admitted he was skeptical of women founded startups. And so he tended to invest. Angel investing is kind of the first bit of money that you might go and get for a startup. And usually anywhere between, I don't know, let's say 200,000 and a million dollars, sometimes upwards of that. And he traditionally had invested in male run startups, but then he someone came to him, it was a female founded startup. And he was like, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna give this a go. And it outperformed every single company in his portfolio. So now he's actually, this is all often it takes, is that awakening moment going, oh my goodness, they are, huge stewards of my money, but showing returns as well. And I can see this going on in a sustainable way. And so he is absolutely a fan of female founded startups and came up to us explicitly and told us that, which is great for future contact. Yeah, I really <laughs> liked that. And I love that example because he wasn't a do-gooder. Like he was looking yeah, at cold money. hard numbers. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think you shared before uh, in, in some of our notes for this podcast, the example of a male and a female going in and pitching the exact same business and having such a different, like they literally ran the experiment of same business, same traction, same investor called John uh, or John and, uh, Michelle or something mm. so they switched up the two and if a woman f- founder had a woman investor she was much less likely to get investment whereas if she had John as an investor she equaled the same that men would get I love that as a for our male allies if especially if you're in a position of power of how can you put yourself in that situation to test some of these top line stats and to test some of these assumptions absolutely and one of that that study in particular was run by Harvard Business Review I think there was almost 400 uh, they they ran 400 test cases of the exact same business, different people pitching. But what worried me about it was there are, as you know, a number of women-led VCs now. And so these incredible women that have exited businesses or come into money, whatever, are now solely investing. Their portfolio is investing in women. But what concerned me about it is that had been after one raise and people viewed the startup like, oh, they only got funding because of their gender. And so they didn't want to follow on with that investment and invest more. So it's almost like it's this minefield where it feels like an obvious ally to have in our back pocket to go to women run funds, both angel and VC. But yet we're being penalized for it because there's this perception of, Oh, it's just because they're women, they got funding. That's such a great example of the invisible forces facing women. <laughs> yeah. Men don't have to grapple. We all have to make really strategic choices for our funding. However, women have that extra element of who do I pick gender-wise because I'm already one of the 2%. <laughs> Only 2% of funding goes to me. How do I make sure I position myself? And I think especially with PowerSuit, when we're building a women's leadership platform by two women founders, how do we strategically position ourselves to not be thrown immediately in the oh that's so nice it's a silly woman's movement off you go we're about serious business honestly I kind of felt that in Austin whereas Denver and and again it's just the the mark of kind of the progressiveness of investors I think and comfort with investing and I know that Denver here has made a massive push Colorado actually in 
diverse founders, female founders, and you can really feel it when we're out and about. Like Absolutely. we're not, there's not that perception of like, oh yeah, we're just this woman's thing, which I is agree. Great. And yeah. that change doesn't happen by chance. What's happened in Denver and happened in a lot of places in New Zealand is that they've started promoting women into those positions and then they've started supporting them and then they've started to see actual business benefits to it. And so they're making not touchy-feely nice decisions they're making critical business decisions around how important it is to have more women in those positions so it's really cool to see that you actually have to make the change to see the change but that's sort of the challenge for all our allies out there is to and, and for us to put our hands up and to take up that space well and speaking of some tips now naturally we know there's systemic bias and the system actually has to change so investors just need to wake up and recognize that women founded startups do well and will return on your investment so like fix the perception fix the bias we love sharing tips because we learned a lot um there are a number of great panels this week we've spoken to some women led startups and so there are a few tips that we've got just starting with networking i loved one of the panels the other day focused really hard on we know that women have shallower networks it's not something we love to do historically we've felt kind of locked out and there's nothing worse than going in a room in a male-dominated sector and seeing just groups of men huddled around. It's a horrible feeling as a woman. So this panel was like, we just got to do it. And we say that at Parasuit as well. We've done a few podcasts on it. We've done a few articles on it. And we just have to do it. So naturally, some of their tips were conferences. And then there was a really big chat, do you remember, about leveraging others for warm intros. And it's something we've used for this trip. But that's networking is you're not you're not the one that's always going out and meeting the people one on one. You are asking so and so to provide an intro because there's nothing like a warm intro. Oh, we're absolutely inundated with coffees at the moment. And I would love to give the US a gold star. People in the US are gold star for networking. And here is the trick for anyone who is not used to it. When you meet someone and you ask them about what they do or what they're passionate about and they tell you, think of people in your network and immediately offer them up it's such a cool move and it doesn't happen in new zealand like if i'm having a conversation with people in new zealand it's actually quite rare to introduce yourself and them to go oh my goodness you really need to meet this person and that happens so organically here and i think that's such an easy especially if you're not a big fan of networking it's such an easy win to just be like who could help this person? Who might be interesting to this person? I'm going to make that connection and offer it. And you've added immediate value. You're memorable. You haven't had to ask a bunch of questions. You haven't had to be anything more interesting than that. Yeah. It's just such a gold tip. And then as the, what is it, networky? I'm the one networking. I'm the networky. Oh, yeah. Ask for it. Yeah. Ask for the warm intro. Do you know anyone that can X, Y, Z? And here in the US, warm intros in the investment community are critical, as evidenced by we landed on the ground. And Nat, had you and I tried to organize some of these meetings with these investors that we've been meeting and VCs, there's absolutely no chance. They don't know who we are. We're just randos from New Zealand. <laughs> but our intros were facilitated by this incredible group, Angel Association of New Zealand. We got in, we got to speak, we got to meet, we followed up on LinkedIn, we've done the thank you thing, and we are now a connection. We That is the warm intro that facilitated us into very tightly held 
doors and purse strings. Hello to all our investors, friendly investors who are now listening to this podcast. I think that's really, really cool. I also think this is a great fact about the world is that we have such small degrees of separation. I had one warm intro to someone who then led me to a second person who then ended up having a coffee with me. The third person ended up having a coffee with me. So that literally that's how quickly it moved over two weeks. They just kept passing me forward. And her best friend works for a giant tech company here in a very senior role. She's like, she's my bestie, meet with her this week. That could be our first customer in the yeah, US. Yeah. And that is how powerful those quick intros, find someone who fits better, even if they you have a 10 minute coffee and they're like, mm, not quite right, I'll pass you on to a couple of other people. It is so powerful. Yeah. It is actually business changing powerful. And you know what? I found that so interesting. There are two types of connectors here that I found, well actually probably everywhere. And one is they will provide a deep connection into someone they know really well, which is super valuable. But then once in a while, like every fifth or sixth person we chat to, maybe 10th, maybe it's not that common. They are a super connector and they love connecting people. And we know a couple of them personally, but here it's a bit incredible when you get one person that's like, I'm gonna send an email out to 20 of my friends. I'm gonna connect you with my entire community. They are what you consider a super connector. The other thing is pitch events. The, I mean, and we say pitch events as a networking thing. I just think the big light bulb moment for me here, we, I pitched for us yesterday at an event, mucked it up a couple of times, forgot what I was meant to say. We had five or six people come up to us afterwards and just say, how great, love your story, let's connect. It's not always about the immediate gratification. You don't get investment straight away. You don't get a customer straight away, but you have raised awareness of what you're doing. You have tightened how you talk about it and you'll make some new connections. It's just every opportunity you get to talk about your business, open up a new audience, just do it. There's a circuit here. And I know there's a little bit of one in the angel community in New Zealand and Australia, but there's actually a circuit here. And they just say, startups do it. You pitch over and over and over again. And it is literally that top of the funnel awareness, um, which is absolutely a thing here in the US. So, so should we move on to yeah. the second part, yeah. which is um, identify your goal when it comes to getting money? Because one of the things we talked about it a little bit at the top is that the VC path, I've, I've heard this so much in the last week, this is this really traditional, newly traditional path to growing your company. You get a venture capitalist, they throw millions and millions of dollars at you, they then expect you to grow at all costs and you now have a new, very, very large responsibility. And I really like that there are multiple ways to actually think about growing your company. And one of the things that we've seen here, and probably at home too, is a lot of one woman bands. and. Part of me feels really sad about that because I, well, for two reasons. One is I look and see, well, the traditional path hasn't worked. They've opted out of some of the biggest, most powerful organizations because they just have not found their place there. And that is the current way women solve for what power suits trying to solve yeah. for. And the second part is we want to grow more women businesses. So it's kind of sad sometimes to see so many that aren't growing. However, it's epic to see how incredible those businesses are. Yeah, no, I agree. I've got mixed feelings around it as well. I love that they are now finally in a place where they're dictating their own life and their own path. 
But I also love <laughs> for power suit. There was nothing like my first startup when you're sleeping and the business is growing. Like it doesn't rely on you making that one-to-one -one sale or you doing that coaching session or you doing that whatever it is. There's something incredible that technology allows for scale, which I get excited about. But I love that they seem genuinely happy. Uh, many of them have opted out, like you mentioned, of the VC path here. Thankfully, there's a lot of really great VCs that are coming up, like impact and again, female focused and sustainable focused. Yeah, so we're seeing lots of great, great new VCs. But then there's also lots of other funding paths um, now as well. And we're seeing like you could actually just do angel until you get to a, a great path of growth. There's private equity investment. There's crowdfunding, as we know, we have a couple platforms in New Zealand. So there's a number of ways where you can get money. It's not like you have to go VC, because I saw an article in something the, last week, whereas a lot of startups have found themselves with this really dominating VC, high expectations, and they're the ones that now dictate the path of your startup. So it's Absolutely. just going in really carefully. I'm a huge fan of challenge the status quo, especially when the status quo invests 98% in men. There are a whole range of other ways. And not going down the VC path doesn't mean staying just a one woman business. I met someone the other night who has just expanded her business and hired a bunch of people because she spent a couple of years, she nailed it, and now she's like, I want to scale it. And she's scaling it sensibly. And again, when we talk about these unconscious biases and invisible forces, if there are enough women-led startups like Canva that start to become rocket ships outside traditional paths, the system will change. Yeah. So there's family businesses. We found that really interesting here. There's a lot of independently wealthy yeah, family families offices, yeah. who care deeply about purpose-driven businesses. And so you've just it's just worth considering a whole range of different options. Yeah. And then we move into social capital, which we have talked endlessly about building your personal brand and your elevator pitch. And we're seeing that play in action here is that that why is really important. What do you stand for? What are your strengths? What is the evidence of stuff that you've done? And that effectively just summarizes your brand. And a perfect example is getting up on stage and saying, this is who we are. We're serial entrepreneurs. We've exited a business right away. People take notes. So there's that evidence based approach. And I noticed that with some of the startup pitches in our group, there are some incredible stories that they had forgotten. Most entrepreneurs start something because they have a really deep connection or experience with that thing. And if you're not putting that upfront about your why, it's not as powerful because things get really hard with startups and investors want to know that this is something that's really close to your heart and that also you have experience in it. I love it. And I think that the why, why this, why now, why you, and you reverse it depending on, or change the order depending on which part. So incredible guy we traveled with, his, this is why this was his top front and center because of his dad, because of his dad's disability. And he wanted to build this thing to give his dad a better life. Yeah. That was his front and center. Ours, building a women's leadership platform, you can immediately see a lot of male investors glaze over as soon as you say, our why is to help women succeed. So we reversed it and start with, don't you worry, we are serious businesswomen. We've done this before, we've exited. So you just have to find your superpower and your thing that is going to make people sit up of those three things. And it could be an incredible opportunity that's just started now. I really liked this one-liner from someone the other night, don't change the wine, just change the wrapping because a lot of time with women we have to grapple with this I don't want to change who I am to succeed and I really loved that you are the finest of wines stay as you are but 
when you're talking to an investor, a VC, you may want to talk more about this element, mm. like the tannins versus the flavor. Just focus on the bit about you. And this is true for founders and all of us who are pitching ourselves every day when we go into the office to put our hand up for an opportunity. Think about why now, why you, and why this? Absolutely. And figure out how to wrap it in a different way depending on your audience. Mm. Should we chat about find your tribe? Yeah. I think this ties in with the first point, which is networking. And you don't have to go one-on-one and go it alone. There are actually groups of people just like you. So there are groups of, last night we went to a networking event and largely the whole room was the single, the solo operator that were freelancing. They were running, I don't know, um, hair care businesses, but they were doing it on their own. And they got together, they're supporting one another, they're opening their respective networks. That is their tribe. You could really feel that in the room. There are groups now for everything and associations here for everything. So if you're a female founder, there's groups for you. Places we've met an incredible woman here that runs, she's independent and she's teaching women how to become investors in startups. And so you go through this whole course, you can get accredited and then they present with opportunities and they grapple with the business itself and if it's investable, but you can do it with other people. You don't have to go this alone. So again, there's a tribe for you. It's just a matter of finding where you belong. I agree. And I think a quick plug for our newsletter this week was about getting out of your comfort zone. And if you are in New Zealand or Australia or a small country listening to this, some of those tribes are a lot smaller and a lot more general. And we would highly encourage, it's expensive, it's scary, get out of your comfort zone and come to a giant market like the US for two weeks, do your prep, line up a bunch of warm leads, line up more leads, Genuinely, there's been some really, really great highlights on this trip, but a lot of them have come from those connections that we just reached out to before we came. And we've got another week and a half of that. And it's so, it pays off in ways that you can't even articulate before you go because you just don't know what you don't know until you land. So if you are sitting somewhere in a small market going, I don't know how to grow this thing. I feel like there's not a lot of support around. Tap into just make taking a chance and coming and seeing what globally might exist and you may not even need to turn up here initially find companies like you overseas and we've done the same with a lot of companies here to be like hey there's a a great company back home who's doing it better a lot of the time Mm. and and (laughs) um, we'll connect you and you can learn from others doing the same thing around the world because it's very easy in small countries to give up and think oh this is all too hard but actually often it is a scale problem rather than a you problem so it's worth just getting out there and looking at who might be your tribe around the world and don't discount male allies just a small plug for them we've had you know incredible support here from men and men that are really excited with what we're doing anything from mentors advisors willing to give up their time and so absolutely there are male allies like in the workplace are just as important here in the startup space as well absolutely and i think one tip for that is what we've experienced a lot is male allies introducing us making those warm introductions because sometimes it's not what you say it's who says it so if it's a man making the introduction you immediately get past a little bit of that bias absolutely (laughs) it's a really easy win i thought we'd just end on we've met with a lot of investors and maybe end on a couple points each of like of what we've learned they're looking for they're looking for something that's going to return more money and so each one i found has quite different specifics that they care about but if you often we think about internally selling ourselves rather than 
flipping it and go if I was someone who's never seen me before never heard of me how would I convince them that this business is going to be a great investment again it's the wine analogy like know your investor really know the investor you're sitting in front of and what they care about and tailor your pitch to make it very clear you're going to deliver on that thing yeah and I've heard a couple specifics that really support that and the first is they want founders that are obsessed with the problem and we talked about that little bit at at the top if you had have had deep experience that is exciting to an investor and that is instead of a solution so what a lot of founders do is they come and going I've invented this great new toothpaste or this great tech platform and what as a, an investor they're going okay but is there an audience for it does it solve <laughs> anything why would anyone care so that's why they flipped it and gone if you don't understand this problem and know that there is a market who are ready willing and able to buy it it's not valuable it's just another idea yeah yeah and the other thing that i really heard was team they actually at an early stage they care deeply about the team and the expertise so make sure your personal brand is shining through why you and that that's genuinely they'll be betting on the team for those initial investments if you've been listening this whole way through and not a founder and not ever considering being a founder thank you (laughs) but that's a great tip for you as well to really sell who you are and what makes you special Thank you for following along. Um, Hit follow. We'd love your five stars. Find us on socials. Reach out at hello at powersuit.com. If you want to chat, we're always really grateful to get your emails and comments. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.